Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mic Check Live, the Love Guru episode is happening Sunday, the 21st of May at 3pm at the Chippo Hotel. Tickets are only $10 and they are selling quite well right now. You don't want to miss out, do you? I don't want to miss out. Do I get a ticket on the door? Yeah, you, you're written on the door, Cameron. Phew! <laughs> We've got amazing guests on. Three very special guests. We'll announce one of them at the end of this episode. So make sure you don't stop listening to this podcast. Go all the way to the end or you will miss out on some key information. This is a radio technique that I picked up. It's called seeding. <laughs> And I want to seed into all of you when we get to the live yeah, show. Yeah, we're guys. so excited to meeting all of you guys. <laughs> Sorry. You don't know how to talk. I don't know how to talk anymore, but we really do look forward to meeting all of you. Yeah. Uh, you've been sending us messages about how excited you are for the live show, and we are even more excited than you guys. Yeah, so shut up about it for five <laughs> seconds and give us a chance to be excited. We're pumped. Come on down to the Chippo Hotel on the 21st of May. Yes, there will still be some tickets available at the door, mm-hmm. regardless of if it's sold out or not. So, at come on point, down. At this it looks like it will. So, yeah. jump in. Jump in quick and get them tickies, babies. And just once again, we've said it before, we've said it a thousand times, we are not screening the love guru We're not there. screening the love guru. We're just We're talking, just talking about, about it. Okay, so watch it on your own freaking time. Yeah, well, <laughs> honestly, it was too big of a deal for... We did think about doing it, yeah. but it was too big of a deal for us to watch it with people because I thought I would be more watched than the movie <laughs> and it freaked me out. But I have seen it twice now, and I promise I will see it at least one more time before we do the episode. I'm excited. So if you go on to tinyurl.com slash micchecklive and pick up tickets, they're only 10 bucks. 21st of May, Sunday, 3 p.m., Chippo Hotel, 10 bucks. Love Guru is what we're discussing. <laughs> see you there, babies. It's my check, it's my check, the podcast that Mike Hello, horny babies, and hello, cheeky monkeys. Ooh. I'm Cameron James, and I'm sitting opposite a man who I'd like to introduce right now. His name be Alexi Toliopoulos. Thank you. That is I. That is you, and you're listening to Mike Check, the only podcast where two comedians mm-hmm. watch the entire film, television, internet, and print canon of funny man Mike Myers just to check if it's still good or not and so far so funny so sexy 
so cool. Extremely funny, extremely sexy, extremely cool. And if we were to merge all of those words together to one singular word to save us time <laughs> so we don't always have to say funny, sexy, cool, uh-huh. there is one word that I can think of. Okay, let's because uh, I'm thinking of a word as well. Yes. And I don't know if we're thinking of the same word. I hope, I pray that we are. Okay. So let's on the same time, let's say it on the count of three. Okay. One, two, two three. three. Shagadelic. Because Shagadelic was the word. Well, I said horny. Okay. Yeah, but then I change it to Shagadelic. Horny Delic. Horny Delic. It's. Uh, it doesn't work. I mean, that's how much work they put into the catchphrases. Horny Delic They've doesn't work. They probably tried Horny Delic. Yeah, I reckon there was probably a meeting where Mike said, guys, I've got this brand new idea for Goldmember. Let's merge two of my most famous <laughs> words. Horny Delic. What do you think? <laughs> and I'm imagining, I'm looking around the room right now. Jay Roach is there. Robert Wagner's there mm. for some reason. I don't think so. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. I think don't so. think so, Mike. I didn't know you did a Robert. I Wagner. can do Robert Wagner. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, let me ask you a few questions, Robert. Yes. What's your favorite number? Two. No, that's okay. not the question I was going to ask you. <laughs> well, there's a few things I do not wish to touch upon. May I just ask, can I just ask you a question of my well, own? Well, yes, as long as it doesn't cross into a certain, this is a certain part of my life. Okay. Uh, so, for example. You're saying that you've got a few boundaries up. I can't, yes, I yes. can't cross over those waters. And no. Into, I couldn't sail into that territory. Uh, I actually don't like where this is going, but <laughs> I'll allow you to ask your question. Okay. Do you like working with Mike? <laughs> well, he's fabulous, darling. Okay, great. Fabulous. Cool. That was uh, probable murderer Robert Wagner there. Yes, I must leave. Uh, Christopher is here with his car. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we're I'll see you down at the docks, Christopher. Whoa. <laughs> well, okay. All right. So you guys are okay. Cool. Have fun. Enjoy yourselves. Very funny. Very sexy. Very cool. Very horny. He's one of the horniest dudes. He is. Hey, uh, you're listening to a very special episode of Mike Check today. Yes. This is uh, this is crazy stuff. So last week, as we all know, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, turned twenty. Yes. And. And we wanted to do an episode about it. We, we that was planned. our plan. We'd, it was all written down in our calendars. We we're going to do a full episode on the yep. 20th anniversary of Austin Powers. However, mm-hmm. as you know by now, some very important breaking mic news came up last week. Uh, totally unexpected. It side-blinded us. Is that a thing? It blindsided <laughs> us. Absolutely <laughs> blindsided us. <laughs> It side-blinded us. It blindsided us. Uh, we it were, sight-blinded us. Yeah, it, side, it blindsided us. We were really thrown off course, and we had to address the Tommy Maitland issue yes, at hand. That Mike had, was perhaps premiering a new character that week. And if you listen to last week's episode, you know the thrilling uh, excitement that we felt, the nerves. Yep. You know how deep we got into the analysis of the photos, the words, and indeed the video of Tommy Maitland. Mm-hmm. And I think we checked it it's mike we're sure it's mike we're sure it's mike so today we've gone back in time to last week we're going to be discussing the 20th anniversary of austin powers it's 20th birthday unbelievable i'm so excited to talk about it there's been uh there's been a lot of buzz around austin powers at the moment a lot of talk about austin four yes a lot of uh think pieces Mm -hmm. surrounding the film 20 years later i like us to get very deep into it and perhaps even discuss a little bit about our own relationship Mm. with this podcast and this film. Yeah, this is kind of a retrospective. And it's coming at a perfect point in time where a few 
just a couple of episodes away uh, from talking about the love guru, mm. which I think is the that big piece of the puzzle yep. for our podcast and finding out where Mike has been. Why isn't he on our screens anymore? Yeah. So it's coming at the right time that we're getting to revisit probably the thing that started this whole podcast I'd say for you're us. right. I think this is the beginnings of the podcast. So ladies and gentlemen, this episode is all about Austin Powers. Let's play a little bit of that famous trailer. In 1967, an international secret agent was cryogenically frozen in case the world ever required his services again. Now, evil is threatening the Earth, and the time has come to bring him back into the 90s. It's not unusual. Allow myself to introduce myself. Danger Powers Personal Effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. Danger's my middle name. I'm gonna need you to sign these release forms. Okay, name. Sex? Yes, please. In his time, he was the coolest secret agent alive. Unfortunately... It's freedom, baby, yeah! This is not his time. He's a swinger in a square world. A lot's changed since 1967. Bring on the sexy stews, man! Yeah! We're called flight attendants now. And he's a stranger in a strange land. Austin Powers is a 1960s shagadelic spy who is cryonically frozen and released in the 1990s. The world is a very different place for Powers. Unfortunately for Austin... Everyone is no longer sex mad. Mm, but this movie made me sex mad. Yes. Is it made crazy? me fucking horny. Yes, it of made course. me fucking horny this, this movie. This is one of my earliest, mm. horniest memories. Uh, sneaking a peek at this film. My yep. mum and dad were watching it. They wouldn't let me watch it. They said, Cameron, go to bed. I said, Mother, Father, I bid you adieu. <laughs> I went I went and humped my mattress. I went into the bedroom. I waited a good five or six minutes. Yeah. Then I crept back out and I peeked up over the lounge yeah. and I watched, much to my delight, as a swinging shagadelic spy drove all around the 90s in mm. chase and pursuit of a Dr. Evil. And I remember one specific scene. What do you remember? Shagadelic spy gets into a hot tub with an Ooh. Italian bird who Italian. goes by the name of a lot of Fachina. A lot of what? A lot of Fachina. Oh, I thought you said a lot of, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that exact moment and going, I am all about them Italiano yes. birds. I love Italians. Can I just say, Italians, if you're listening, thank you so much. Or should I say, grazie. Can I just say, Italians, if you're listening, molto bene. <laughs> Italians, if you're listening, can I say one thing? Very nice work, guys. <laughs> I'd just like to say one thing to the Italians listening. I love that gravy. Mm. Oh, <laughs> Oh, still guts. <laughs> uh, thank you to the Italian people. And thank you to the Italian women for awakening a horniness in yes. me that I didn't even know was possible. Grazie, bambini. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my earliest real memory of Austin Powers. I reckon it was maybe... Uh, maybe you know, two or three months later that I was finally allowed to watch the movie yeah. uh, properly instead of peeking over the top of a couch. What was your earliest memory of Austin Powers? I remember my dad and I bought it from either an HMV or Fish Records on VHS. Yeah. And it was I, I mean, it was in letterbox. 
So it had the black bars at the bottom oh, and top yeah. of the video. Yep. I think it was the first time I ever saw a movie in that style consciously mm. where, it, where it did have that cropping. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people, when they're that age, they would complain about it. They're like, why can't I see the whole picture? But I knew that I was getting a more cinematic experience. <laughs> so this was one of those movies that really opened me up to the cinematic <laughs> experience at home. Yeah, okay. It's interesting you say that because in that uh, Hollywood Reporter oral history that came out last week or the week before, Jay Roach mentions that they deliberately shot this in a very cinematic style using old school kind of 1960s, 70s inspired cinema language. Locked off shots, no steady cams, yep. all old lenses. So they were paying attention to making this a good looking movie. I think this is one of the most stylish comedies of all time. Yeah. And I think that's where we even began with this whole podcast was <laughs> on our normal movie podcast, the Blank Slate Movie Podcast, uh-huh. where we just talk about it's cinema. It's normal, guys. It's less specific than it's, this it's one. It's just normal cinema. If you like normcore type shit, chuck that on and fucking bone out you know put on a fucking pair of mum jeans put on some fucking volleys yeah slap on a flannel and wear a cap and fucking just chill out and listen to normal movie shit idiots that's it be dumb be cool (laughs) that's the blank slate motto yeah and on that show that's where we sort of began constantly finding Austin Powers as a frame of reference for Yes. Us. I don't even... Because I just re-watched it. Yeah. And I, my, all my love for that series had come back. Yeah. And so, very sincerely, I would always use Austin Powers as a reference for great filmmaking, a cinematic masterpiece for style and for world building. I would always use it. And you would, like, think that I was insane. <laughs> and you would make, often mock me. And you'd put, I remember at one point, you put a cap on for how many times I could use Austin Powers <laughs> as a reference and then it would still come up and then you went back and watched it yeah. and you fell back into that I world. I lost my mind. I think the the one I re-watched first was um, Goldmember yeah. because it was on TV or something and I was like, yeah. oh, whatever, we'll see if this movie holds up and then about 10 minutes into it, I was like, baby, I love this world. Let yes. me get back into this Austin world. That Austin lifestyle, you know? Yeah, get back into it. Yeah. And where's the, it been? Where's it been all my life? Where's all this sex positivity coming from that we live in in the world today? Well, that's responsible to one horny man, <laughs> Mike Powers. <laughs> Mike Moston Powers. So, remember early days when we were starting this podcast, mm. we were... We were kind of all excited about learning about Mike, yes. learning a bit more about him. Where's he been? Is he still horny? All the great questions. I'd say Austin Powers was the the one that we were looking forward to doing the most. Yeah, at for this sure. Point. To dive into the cinematic masterpiece that is Jay Roach and Mike Myers, Austin Powers. And now that we... Interna- hey, I haven't finished sorry, talking. Sorry, sorry. Say the full title. International. Why well, start again? Okay. Austin Powers is... Movie, oh, Mike. No. Oh no, no. I broke okay. it. Now you're spiraling. Mike Myers and Jay Roach's Austin Powers International Man O Mystery. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Celtic dub, yeah. I think. Uh, now that we've done that film and we've done a number of episodes of this podcast, how do you feel coming back and discussing it again, given all that we know about mm. Mike? Uh, the history of Mike, and indeed the current present of Mike. How do you feel looking back on this movie now? Uh, I'm full of positivity Mm -hmm. looking back at it Mm. because it 
truly is one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I think it is just an absolute delight in every way. Delight to the eyes, delight to the soul, and delight to that little hole. <laughs> because it is so horny. And the horniness truly delights me of it all. Because it's from, it's quite an innocent level of horny. Like, there's nothing too debaucherous about this movie as well. Okay. It's just the tingling of sensations of erotica. Like, there's no... There's nothing erotic really about this movie, mm-hmm. apart from maybe the hot tub scene, apart from maybe the fembot stuff, but it is playful. And that's the kind of stuff that I've grown to really, really uh, love. Okay. Now, I didn't want to get into this this early mm-hmm. in the podcast, but we're, we, I'd say we're tastemakers when it comes to Mike Myers. For I think sure. the current uh, renaissance, Myers renaissance that's going on, mm. I think I can't help but feel we're partially responsible yes. for I don't want to say this, but I'm going to and shoot me down, God, if I'm I'm, I'm speaking out of line. God, I hope you're going to tell the truth. If you speak out of line and we get freaking cooked up by God up in heaven, dude. We get sent down to freaking hell right now because you're taking a risk telling us a lie. I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to say it. I don't know if Mike Myers would be currently starring as Tommy Maitland in The Gong Show were it not for our extensive... Rebranding of him as an auteur and cultural icon. Well, I did, did get hotter in here, so <laughs> maybe there's truth to what you're saying, but not the whole truth. Okay, because here's the thing: we're not the. Uh, we believe that this is a great film. We believe that over 20 years, yeah. it's aged pretty well. But we are unfortunately not the only people that have opinions out there yeah. in the world. And I yeah. did. I didn't want to bring this up straight away, but oh, I'm gonna no. have to. I, I noticed. Know. That you interacted with a certain publication yep. on Twitter from the official Mike Check account. From the official Mike Check account, uh, the name of that publication is Vice. Yes, and Vice tweeted an article that said, "Does Austin Powers really suck?" Twenty years later, you replied from the Mike Check account, "Delete your account." <laughs> yes, and it got a lot of heat. Yeah, got a lot of faves. Got a lot of faves. RTs as well. Yeah. Uh, I read that Vice article after I saw your your, yes. intera- your interaction seemed very like genuine anger. There was. I was pissed off. Okay. Because it's like the cool kids picking on the goofy boys. Yeah, right. And that's the kind of shit I don't want to see. Yeah, of course not. I mean, I will stick up for a goof out there in the world for sure. Yeah. And to see them, the, these guys are just like... They think they're tastemakers. They think they're cool. They think they're freaking sexy. And they think they're funny of all things. Vice, I'll put you on blast right now. All right. You're officially on notice, Blast. You're on on notice and you're not funny. (laughs) Not funny. That's what I'll say. I'll freaking tattoo it to my own balls right now. I won't do that, Don't actually. Do that. But Don't it's do that. not funny. Vice, you're not funny. Here's a few things I've just learned about you in the last few minutes. Maybe I already knew I've them. I've got balls. Okay, number one, you got a big old scrote. <laughs> you whipped it out. My tattoo gun was at the ready. You backed out last minute. Yep. Fair enough. I respect that. Yes, I did stencil it. Yeah, it's stenciled on there, which, you know, I respect. Number two, you'll stick up for a goof. I will. A goof doesn't deserve to be pushed down by a guy that thinks he's too cool for school. Absolutely not. You got to get out there. You got to stand up for those goofballs because I believe you are a little goofter. I yourself. am a goofter. I've said it a thousand times. I'll say it a twenty more thousand times. 
And the third thing I've learned about you... <sighs> I'm sensitive and I'm an empath, I know. Yeah, you're an empath. You yes. feel things and you feel for Mike. Now, I read this Vice article. Yep. I didn't want to, but I had to you have had a look. To. I chose not to read it. You didn't read it yet? I skimmed it. Okay, I read it. Uh, they have some thoughts on the erotica of... Mike Myers, which you were just touching on. You were saying you like it because it's playful, it's cheeky, it's got a cheeky monkey vibe. Mm. There's nothing truly sexual about it. It's just like a little horny schoolboy kind of vibe. Vice decided to read into that as as a sort of bizarre, like as if Mike Myers is this bizarrely neutered man boy who likes to tease with sexuality but never go through with it. They use all these examples of like the fembot scene, for example, where he's uncomfortable with all these women trying mm. to seduce him. They use that as an example of Mike's squeamish sexuality, saying that he's much more comfortable when he's allowed to dance and strip by yeah. himself than he is in bed with a group of women. It made me so angry because, I mean, he roots a lot of vagina in this movie. <laughs> Oh, hello, hello. Yeah, it's it's exciting. He and does I, some roots in this movie. Yeah, he and also, does. he doesn't want to fuck the fembots because they're robots that are going to kill yes. him. What's he going to do? Kill them with his sperm and yeah. make them malfunction that way? He fucking has to kill them, dude, because he's on a mission to kill Dr. Evil. <laughs> he can't. He doesn't have time to have a freaking orgy. He does. He's got a short circuit. There's only them. one super spy who has time to have an orgy on a mission, and that is Xander Cage. Exactly. And he's not Xander Cage. <laughs> no, he's Austin friggin' Powers. Yes. It really upset me. Now, there's another. another the angle they go down in this article regarding Mike's squeamish also, sexuality. Can I just say while we're still Please. on this before we move on, it's not funny for him to just be like, to, it's funny for him to go, do I make you horny, baby? Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah. That's funny for him to tease around. If then they're like, yes, let's fuck now. If his reaction isn't, if it's mm. like groovy, that's not funny. For you yeah. to be like actually the hottest love stud in the world, to see that on camera, to see Austin Powers, <laughs> to see <laughs> like full Peno, fully Peno, like you know going down. On like if the like Austin that. Powers script said the Fembots come in, they try to seduce him. Austin actually has sex with them. You Austin see it freaking- go in. <laughs> You see it go in. You see it go in. You see him going down on the ball. You see his tongue dancing and prancing around that bean. You see, and I assume they have robot beans, and I fucking hope they (laughs) do. I hope so. Maybe it's an abacus. Because robots got to feel pleasure too. Yeah, exactly. Do androids wet dream of electric sheep? Ooh, let's find out. Let's ask Philip K. Dick. That's a (laughs) sci-fi joke. Here's the uh, here's another thing from that article, the Vice article. Right, there's a. They, they're discussing this, like, kind of sexless Austin Powers as if it's, like, a strange and unusual thing. And they, they pull a quote from a 1999 Rolling Stone <sighs> profile on Mike Myers where Kristen Johnston, who plays... What's her character's name in Spy Who Shagged? Uh, Ivana Humpalot. Ivana Humpalot. Kristen Johnston shares the following anecdote about the comedian and his intimacy. Jay Roach had to tell her not to grab Myers' ass so explicitly... Johnston, dressed in black lingerie, harumphed. Is it too much? I'm basically naked, and touching his ass is too much? It was then that Myers chipped in. Yes, he said. It's too much. So they're using that pull quote as an example of Mike as someone who is kind of OCD about his own sexuality and doesn't really want to touch people or be intimate with people. But what I read about that is Mike is an actor who doesn't really want to fuck these people in the yes. movie. He's playing a character who wants to fuck people in the For movie. For sure. <laughs> and doesn't 
want to, I don't know, make a porno? And I if guess? it becomes too explicit, it takes away the humor. Yeah. Totally, because it just makes it too horny. Too horny. Because you want the movie to be horny. You don't want to be satisfied by the movie. Absolutely. Now, this is something we've never touched upon on this podcast. Yes. We, we ask the question a lot. Does this make you horny? Were you horny during this film? What we've never delved in is there is such a thing as too horny. Yeah. Some movies are too horny. It's when you get to a point of horniness, something happens, then you're relieved of the horniness. <laughs> All of a sudden, the horniness vacates your body, <laughs> yes. as it were. It's almost as if... It's almost as if your mojo turns into a liquid goo yeah, it's and it spills. It, like something... I'm trying to find a word to describe quick expulsion. <laughs> I'm thinking maybe ejaculate. Yes. If, like some, if a feeling were to ejaculate your body. If you were to get ejaculated right now watching an <laughs> Austin Powers movie, it hasn't done its correct job. You're supposed to get... The feeling in your loins and in your heart that you want to yes. ejaculate, but you don't do it now. You save it for a loved one. Yeah. Or for your own personal fun. Yeah, or you're a six-year-old boy, go back to your room, pump the pillow. Is that what you did? I thought that was your story. No, that was something you added to my story. Oh, okay. Well, it's canon. Now it's canon. <laughs> yeah, I've pumped pillows. Canon. Sure, why not? There's videos of me doing it. <laughs> I'm a cam boy. Yeah, it's Cameron's raw set was really funny. <laughs> A lot of humping. So, yeah, it's maybe... I think this movie reaches the perfect level of horniness. I don't need it to go horny. It is the bloody Aristotelian ideal of horniness. Out there, up in heaven, there is just a copy of a DVD of Austin Powers, and that is the perfect level of horniness in the movie. Now... I studied philosophy at school for like a few months... And that is the Aristotelian ideal. And I I just want to quickly chip in here and say, yes, on this podcast, heaven exists. Yes, (laughs) Yes, it does. God God, and heaven do exist. God is real and he sanctions this. God is is very real. (laughs) Heaven is a real, literal place. Yes. And in the universe of Mike Check. It is in the sky. It is clouds. It's all clouds. In the Mike Check Republic, this is all canon and this is real. And we are... Christian, I guess, because <laughs> we've brought up God in heaven a couple of times yeah. so far. Yeah. So, blessed be, I guess. Blessed be. <laughs> All right. So, I want to get to the bottom of this. Oh, a behave. Of, a, a lot of the- <laughs> <laughs> A lot of think pieces have come out uh, wondering or questioning whether Austin Powers has held up over 20 years. I have a feeling I know what both of us are going to say. Yes. We both think it has. But I guess I want to know why we think it's held up. What do you think? Well, I think style definitely is one of the reasons it's held up. Okay. I think very clear characters is one of the reasons it's held up as well because Austin Powers is absolutely uh, iconic from the minute go. As is Doctor Evil. And I think they're perfect comic characters where there is that mask, then there is the interior as well, where they Mm -hmm. present something out to the world. But the comedic gap between persona they put out into the world and their actual genuine person and their perspective, that gap is just perfect in my opinion. Mm. And that is where the area where comedy can 
flow. <laughs> but I think most of all, why it holds up, which is still to me the surprising thing. We talked about it uh, quite a bit when we did our original Austin Powers episode with Mr. Clinton Haynes, mm-hmm. uh, that it is the vulnerability in these characters mm. that I think adds this real surprising level of humanity and pathos and empathy and other really nice words. I think it's um even though it's you know all quite about quite explicitly about sexuality or you know openness or whatever. It's a pretty gentle comedy yeah, when you totally. look at it. Um, and one thing that I really love, and I think I watched it again today in anticipation of this. One thing that really strikes me is that everyone in this movie is positive in yeah. some way, even when the joke is on someone, that person is playing it as if they're in on the joke. Yeah. You know, like the scene that really jumped out to my mind, I don't think we've even talked about it that much on this pod, is the bathroom scene when he, uh, Tom Arnold. I think we definitely have because that's my favorite scene. I think we've discussed it a bit, but we've never really gone deep into it. I think one thing I love about that scene is that if it was in any other comedy, say if it was in Anchorman or Zoolander, um, the person that Tom Arnold plays would just be disgusted and grossed out by yeah. the toilet noises coming through the cubicle. Because they, if it were to be a man honking out a huge turd, yeah. pinching that loaf out, yeah. squirting that dirty gurt, <laughs> a guy leaking out a diuretic shit absolutely, into a toilet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That would be a cause for someone to freak out. So I can imagine were this a Ben Stiller movie mm. or a Will Ferrell movie, Tom Arnold's character would be being disgusted and they would leave the bathroom in shock or whatever but in this movie tom arnold's character is helpful and supportive the entire encouraging he's encouraging he's He's like knuckle down on the thing and bite your lip grab a hold of something yeah i think that's a great point that is the entire uh perspective of the film everyone sort of is filled with joy even the, the sad characters or the this is not even sad. I guess Seth Green's character, Scotty, Scotty Don't, yeah. is maybe the saddest character in the movie, but he is his purpose is to be a melodrama. Like that's why yeah. the character exists and that's so that's satire. Like they're in on that joke. And that's why it's funny, because I we in the oral history that we read earlier but mm. the from the Hollywood reporter, he had just been working on some mammoth plays and he yeah. thought saw it was his responsibility to play this one character as serious, as a guy that is in a drama film. That's so I strange. think that's why it's so funny because it is a bold choice because he's playing against one of the biggest goofs in history, Mr. Mike Myers, mm-hmm. and for him to rein it in and mm. play an actual teenager full of angst mm. in a way where it's never really undercut like there's a few moments like how he runs like a girl and stuff yeah. like that but it's all very quite real yeah reminds me of me i'm okay. scott evil okay you know cammy i love nirvana yeah that's true you i love- just want to be hugged mm, just want to okay. fit in okay i can relate to scott evil one thing I think that That's adds weird. to uh, <laughs> one thing I think that rela- uh, adds to this kind of level of playfulness or gentleness of the comedy is the inspirations that led to it. Mm. So in that Hollywood Reporter article, uh, Mike Myers says. After my dad died in 1991, mm-hmm. and by the way, that's how this piece opens. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of Mike, course, Mike, it's a Mike Myers oral history. He opens with the death of his dad, of course. 
after my dad died in 1991, I was taking stock of his influence on me as a person and his influence on me with comedy in general. So Austin Powers was a tribute to my father who introduced me to James Bond, Peter Sellers, The Beatles, The Goodies, Peter Cook, and Dudley Moore. Those are all influences that are inherently joyful at mm. their heart. Bond is all about that playful childhood desire to be the winner, the one who's the cool, gets the babes, gets the guns. Um, Peter Sellers plays into everyone's desire to be the cut-up at the party that people mm. love and are, you know, enjoyed by. The Beatles goodies and Cook and More are just like silly British icons, really. Like, it's all about having fun and being joyful and mm. giving giving uh, joie de vivre to yes. the people. To be delight. To create yes. delight. That beautiful delight in people. That To bring delight. out the delights. That's something that you like. I love delight. What do you think is the most delightful moment for you in this film? Um, it is the Vegas scenes mm-hmm. in the casino. Mm-hmm. There is that... Uh, there's a few moments. I think it is when he's walking through the casino. It's like, hey, there you are. <laughs> and Hey, do I know you? It's like, no, but there you are. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. Where it's just you're seeing him live in that world. And all he's doing is just trying to have fun to touch people in their lives and just bring out that energy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that is that is it. That's Austin Powers in a nutshell. No, and- this is Austin Powers <laughs> in a nutshell. Help, I'm in a nutshell. How did I get into this nutshell? What kind of nut has a shell this big? It's crazy. Oh, Cameron. Mm. You certainly are a card. I really am a <laughs> cut up. I'm a classic Peter Sellers type. Did you know this? I read this in the artic- in the Hollywood Reporter article that he wrote the script in 95 mm. and um, he kind of bashed it out in like two weeks and then shopped it around for a long time to studios and no one would have no anything to do with it. Yeah. Str- it's so crazy to imagine that now. Imagine a world without Austin Powers. Like, people were just turning it down and going, no, 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 we're not... We This mm. is too out there for us. Whereas now, I mean, this sort of... Maybe it was the beginning or a renaissance again, rebirth of the kind of broad comedy. Mm. I guess maybe at that time in the 90s, Broad comedies weren't What's happening then? What, like reality bites? What are the biggest (laughs) comedies of the 1990s? Yeah, singles. Yeah. Um, Fucking... Couples. Was Romy and Michelle out? Yeah, maybe not. Duets? Nah, that's later. Okay. I was going to say American Pie, but that's 99, isn't it? 99, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, maybe broad comedies hadn't been around in a while, and this one was the one that kind of reawoke that that flavour in people. Yeah. But it could have been a bomb. That's another really cool thing about this movie was that it very nearly bombed. Yeah, it only made fifty million at the box office in its eight week run. Yeah. It was made for sixteen point five and apparently uh it didn't really make much impact until the DVD yeah. release of the film. There's a great bit in that article where Jay Roach says something like anything that scores under seventy in test screenings is generally considered bad. Um, Austin Powers never got higher than 55 yeah. or something. And it's just like so crazy to imagine an America that didn't know what to make of this movie. Yeah. But then I guess you look at it now, it's hard to see beyond the iconic status of it. But when you look at it in pieces, even just those influences that he mentioned before from his dad, like James Bond, the Beatles and the goodies, 
and like mod culture. All mm. those things seem so disparate. And I think maybe at the time that wasn't something that had found its cool again yet. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the Beatles ever weren't cool or if or anything like that. Dude, they were bigger than Jesus. Come on, man. That's well, that's our guy. <laughs> Obviously, we love Mike, but above Mike, it's got to be G's. Yeah, we're Christians. <laughs> if you haven't heard already, we have the good word. We have the word, baby. And it is horny. Okay, guys, we're not Christians. We're, not we're really Mike Christians, heads. You idiots. We celebrate one God and one God only. And his name is Mike. Myers. Austin, be thy name. <laughs> oh, behave. <laughs> um, but uh, what were you saying? Well, it just it could have bombed. Uh, you were saying it maybe cool. Yeah. The coolness of it hadn't come back yet. Yeah, the coolness hadn't come back for it yet. And I think that it's because the 90s was not at the time, a very reflective generation. They were very introspective. They were mm-hmm. looking at themselves. Mm-hmm. They were... Reality bites. Exactly. Singles. You know, that that's the kind of thing that was on trend. It was stuff that was very Empire of the records. moment. Yeah. And very self-referential, very of the moment, mm-hmm. and very uh, kind of bashing a lot of the old, like, stuff that wasn't cool. It was very obsessive being cool. And I think Austin Powers, as a concept... Even now to this day in popular culture is seen as something that's very quite daggy, mm. but they don't fucking get it. <laughs> the Vice heads out there just don't fucking get it. Well, you, you know, you're still furious about Vice. You're right, though. I think uh, now that you've said that thing about the 90s not being a very reflective generation or culture, you're right. They were very obsessed with mythologizing themselves, the especially current. like the... Uh, cutting edge of music and cinema mm. that was happening. And it just reminded me of another... Um, period film from that era that has since become considered a classic and that's Dazed and Confused, Richard Linklater, which was, I guess, not a hit at the Mm. time. It was a cult hit and now it's considered like kind of a A masterpiece. masterpiece, Yeah. I think it's as well, they, for people living at the time of the 90s where we are seeing those changes like the grunge scene and all of that stuff where is very cutting edge. I think they, they're not looking back like going, oh, the 60s were great. They're like, we're living in the 60s right now. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? They're, we are part of something really big. We're part of a change. We're part of this new cool thing. Mm. I don't think they're spending much time mythologizing the past. They're mythologizing themselves. And, uh, you know, that is the great folly of man. Mm. Is it not? <laughs> Self-mythology. It is. It is. <laughs> Uh, you know what else I kind of think maybe was lost on people back then was the uh, the the kind of meta level mm. of this film where it's obviously it's parodying Bond movies, but it's aware of the plot holes yes. within it. One of my favorite sequences just from watching this again is, and maybe maybe it's something that I've criticized in the past. But tonight, today I laughed a lot at it, which is when Dr. Evil finally captures... Vanessa and Austin mm. and puts them in the tank with the sea bass yeah. and the doors shut and Scotty's saying like, well, you're not even going to watch them die. And he's like, no, I'm going to put them in an, an easily escapable room and then assume that they're dead. Yeah, like, what is that? Yes. I kind of love that those moments in it. And maybe there wasn't really much of that happening at this time. Mm. Can you think of an example that was not the top of sort of, of like that level of meta comedy? I guess where, Naked Gun had kind of been around. I guess Naked Gun had been around. Was the Brady Bunch movie out yet? Yeah, Brady Bunch had come out in 1995. 
And I think mm. the difference between Austin and the Brady Bunch, they do have a similar sense of humor in that silliness, the goofiness. Mm. Uh, but the Brady Bunch mocks the past, whereas Austin really celebrates it. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. It's one of, the, but it is one of those early examples for me of a film where I was aware they were making fun of themselves. Because mm. I think I grew up watching reruns of the Brady Bunch, and then when that movie came out, I just I remember it clicking with me that this is making fun of the Brady Bunch, and that, and I didn't know how to feel about it. Yeah, because I was like, but these are the same characters. Like they're using their names, but they're sort of. They're making fun of it. It's so mm. different to the TV show. I remember that being very confusing for yeah. me. And, uh, but like very quickly found it very cool. Yes. And that Marsha. Oh. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Maybe one of my other earliest, horniest memories. Yes. Marsha and Greg share a room and they oh, have a, a sheet silhouette. Oh my goodness. Just like in Awesome Powers. Yeah, you see some silhouette me. bras coming off. Oh my God. God, that is why Awesome Powers is better because that movie too that l- reaches the zenith of horniness all the way there. Not the perfect horniness, but the zenith of horniness. Uh, Austin, uh, the spy who shagged. No, no, I would say the Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, too horny. That scene too steamy, and there's not enough comedy to yeah, yeah really yeah. ease you out of it. It eases you out of it, or it eases it out of you. Perhaps. Yeah, it, it eases you out of it, and it oozes out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that maybe we're maybe we're tapping into something here about this kind of why it wasn't such a big theatrical hit mm. because people weren't used to the language of this totally. yet. And then when it became a DVD hit, and this is the beginnings of DVD. Am I yeah, right? right around the time. I remember I, I had just seen my first DVD around this time, which mm. was Godzilla. All right. Now that is fucking cool. Yeah, dude. Um, I really was one of the coolest kids. Hank Azaria? Hank Azaria, dude. Jean Renault and Matthew Broderick. That's fucking cool, man. That's fucking dream team. That's so cool. And Harvey Feierstein, I think, is... The yeah, probably. Someone's in it. I'm sure Feierstein pops his head up. Yeah, uh, You know, do you remember that teaser trailer for Godzilla? Oh, my God. I do not remember it <laughs> at all. I saw it at the movies. I don't know what I was seeing. If I'm going to hazard a guess, I'm going to say probably Power Rangers. Or Matrix or some shit, yeah. dude. And then there's a teaser and it's in the museum at night. Oh and God. you can there's a guy looking at a skeleton of a T-Rex and he reads the sign and it says the largest living uh, carnivore. Mm. And then a big Godzilla foot stomps down through the museum roof oh, and crushes no. that T-Rex skeleton. And it's it like, away. not anymore. You're like, fucking hell. Fear just evolved. <laughs> Is that a tagline? <laughs> That's a tagline. That feels like it could be a tagline. Jeez. Fuck, I should work in advertising. I think you should. Stick to the podcast. Okay. Do what you do well. Okay. All right. And stick to the pods. All right. I think I do think with the DVD thing that because it did find that big market on there and they were able to track it, that kind of stopped Austin Powers from becoming this cult movie mm. because they were able to straight away go, let's make a sequel to this. Mm. So inherently it is known as a success. Whereas a little later on, the comedies that found their love in home video, I think... They, did, they didn't make sequels straight away. Like, I'm talking about stuff like Zoolander sure. and stuff like Anchorman, where it wasn't mm-hmm. a huge hit in the cinemas, mm. but became a bit of a curiosity because there was 
the access was you could just watch it whenever you wanted. You didn't, you could quote along to it. You didn't have to go uh, see the second one again. And there was always like murmurings of it happening, but they never made that sequel till more recently. And so that the the um the cult status of those movies was able to f- grow and flourish. There was nothing else out there like them. Whereas yeah. this one, straight away, we did get a sequel two years later, basically. Yeah, uh, you're right. That's a good point because there, there were a lot of kind of at the early stages of DVD, there were mm. a lot of home video hits that were comedies like Office Space is obviously yep. an example that people quote, Zoolander, um, even Idiocracy, which is another Mike Judge one. Yeah. And people always talk about them. As- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's cold hits, but but Austin never does get talked about in those And it times. has a very similar love, but I think it's because it became a phenomenon. Okay, yeah. And then the phenomenon became a sequel. But I think if and we the had... the sequel a, was a genuine hit. Yeah, like a, a big genuine hit, hit. And then Goldmember became more self-reflexive of the times mm-hmm. and thus has dated more than these other two. Yeah. Because there are very little references to the 90s in Austin mm. and Austin 2, mm. Spy Who. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're, they're more about the time, the Austin being a 60s character. The uh-huh. references are to the 60s. There's very little reference to time, now time, the present day, <laughs> or as I call it, the now time. The now time. So it's like Seth Green is the only one. He's wearing Nirvana stuff. He looks like Nirvana. Two, we get a little bit more. We see a little bit... He looks like Nirvana, okay? He looks okay? like Nirvana? He looks like Nirvana. <laughs> and he mean? smells like Teen Spirit. Dude, That's all I'm saying. Come on. But in the second one, there's a little bit more. We see Jerry Springer, which is one of the great icons uh-huh. of the 90s uh-huh. uh, with shitty television. Sure. And then the third one, it's the 2000s. We get Britney. We get lots of stuff like that. Yeah, Spielberg. Beyonce, Spielberg, all of those kind of things. <laughs> Where it's um, Pokemon, we see all that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is why this first movie has not dated Hmm. because it is very true to its own self. It has its own personality. It's not referencing specific things from that time and place. Yeah, it doesn't... Even though it's written like an SNL movie Mm. in that it's basically a sketch movie, it doesn't seem like an SNL sketch, whereas the other two 
have moments that feel like they are SNL sketches, mm. particularly the whole opening to Goldmember, which we love, mm. but also could just be a 10-minute SNL sequence for an episode Mike was hosting. Exactly. Yeah. Or like an MTV Movie Awards type Exactly. Video. That's what it is. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, you're right. Austin Powers was just its own thing. Now, that begs the question, if it... If it remained a cult hit, if no sequel was ever made, would this film be talked about in the same breath as Zoolander and Napoleon Dynamite? I think so. I think it would be more in line with those movies and the way that we look at them rather than it being a franchise, it being a phenomenon. Do you think it would be one of those things where people still quote it as regularly as like there are always office space memes going around and like... Napoleon Dynamite was a bit of a... It blew up it's, as well, but it yeah. never had a sequel, so it didn't get a chance to ruin itself. In I a think way. Austin Powers still lives in that world. Like, there are memes for it. Yeah. Like, you know, well, this the, whole podcast is essentially a meme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are still memes of it, but I think um, it would have a little bit more prestige mm. rather than irony. Okay. I mean, we don't look at it ironically, but no. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. When I say, do I make you horny, baby... That is fucking sincere. You mean it. I mean it. I want to know. I always want to know if I'm making anyone horny. And please let me know. I will. Thank you. Am I... Can not I right now. Okay, fine. Yeah, not right, right now. But have I been known to make you... I guess so. Sure, okay. Sometimes you'll whisper to me. I'm like, well, that hit the right nerve. But <laughs> often it's just like, no, nah, we're just bros hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having yeah, a couple yeah. of brews. It's not unusual to get horny around your mates. Don't feel ashamed of it. Yes, it's not weird, guys. Sure, we're two straight dudes that talk to each other with a full barter boner, <laughs> staring into each other's eyes, talking about one guy they really like. Sure, it's normal. It's mates. That's the Australia that I want to live in. That's <laughs> yes. the Mike Czech Republic. This is the future the liberals want. <laughs> now, um, I wanted to bring this up as well with, uh, with in light of recent statements... Mm. Does Austin Powers' International Man O Mystery still make us horny? Uh, what do we think? I think so, definitely. In the in the sense of it uh, bringing a lot of joy to me and exciting me, it mm-hmm. does. But also in the literal sense. Now let me delve into that literal sense. Yes. Which key moments? The in hot this tub, film? baby. Okay. It's a very lot erotic. Of for China. A lot of for China. Mm. I think. Um, in that article as well, she mm. talks about it. Mm. Yeah, she says she was wearing a flesh-coloured bustier underneath that water and she was unaware how much it was pushing her breasts up until she saw the cut in the film and she thought, wow, that is a lot of boob. But it adds to the cartoony feeling of the world. I think so, Fabiana Udeño. Mm. <laughs> Fab. Biana. Ah, uh, yeah, very good. What about the fembots? Um, not so much because I think of them as more cartoonish. I think of them as killing machines. Yes, I don't see them as women. No, no, no. I no. see them as just pe- these creatures, mm-hmm. these monsters mm-hmm. that have specifically been designed <laughs> to allure a man into a trap. Mm-hmm. 
and <laughs> probably to shoot shoot his head off while he yeah. shoots into them. Yeah, I I look at them as the singularity. I think that is as not... AI. Mm. I think we've got to be careful. We've gone too far. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think science has gone one step too far. This is a Frankenstein's monster. We've got to be careful with the power we hold. Uh-huh. How do we not know that Siri won't try to root us and then shoot us and then shoot us? <laughs> root and shoot. That's what we're trying to warn people about on this podcast. you got to look out for a root and shoot. They are scary. They're people trying to design robots to make us freaking screw them. <laughs> and they're out there trying to kill us and take over the world. That's the real Terminator. It wouldn't just be an Arnold Schwarzenegger walking around shooting cunts up. It would be a sexy fanboy yes. coming into town, rooting, shooting nerds. I think what they should have done is... In the movie Ex Machina, where they're trying to find out if she is a real robot or not, send Austin in there, not Dommel Gleason. Yeah, get Austin. Send Austin in. He'll just freaking do a sexy dance and she'll steam up and then they're all alive still. <laughs> no one would have been hurt in the process of making that movie. Donald Gleason could have walked free. Exactly. Instead of being trapped alone in that mansion. Spoiler alert. Sorry. Sorry, should have seen it by now. Maybe that's a sketch we could write. What if Austin were sex machina? (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'll tell you a couple of moments that jump out for me Mm. and that make me jump out in my pants. That is... uh, (laughs) There's an early scene in the film. They're on Austin's private jet. Austin asks Liz, let's go on the back and shag. She says, I wouldn't shag you if you were the last man on earth and I was the last woman on earth. Uh, and then he jumps on That's the bed. a really exciting thing to think about. As soon as yeah, as soon as she <laughs> says that, I'm like, if ooh, if I was the last man on earth and she was the last woman on earth, we probably would. Yeah, I reckon we probably would. I think cool. Then oh, he okay. jumps on that bed. It starts spinning around. He's pointing at her. He's asking... Do I make you horny? Um, Do the song I? Call Me is playing. Call me. She, just call me. she turns away from him and then she looks back at him with this kind of mock anger and then she turns back away and she smiles privately to herself and I think <gasps> she is a little bit horny. Yes, yeah. he's done his deed. Just a little bit horny. And that's the type of cheekiness that you can come to expect from me. Yeah. I will make you laugh and I'll make you a bit wet. <laughs> Come see my show May 18 to 21 <laughs> At the Sydney Comedy Festival Yeah um, I, I like that scene And also We've talked about it before Maybe it's not A literal horniness But it's definitely An emotional horniness And that is the scene With Liz Whose name I'll, I'll only ever call her Liz I'll call her Vanessa Okay What's your point Vanessa? Liz and Austin are laying on the bed yeah. and she says, tell me about my mummy in the 60s. And he does that great little oh monologue. Oh my God, one of the best things ever. Which is so, it's a great acting moment for Mike, but it also adds so much pathos to the character. This is a man who is in love with his partner, but she was married and he respected her marriage. He never tried to put a move on her, mm. but it's clear that he loved her very much. And I get... My heart gets horny. Because you're out there married and you're hoping people are talking about you the same way. That's exactly what I hope. I hope every friend that I have in years to come when they're asked about me... do you? (laughs) Are they hanging out with your daughter? Like, what was daddy like in the 90s? And they all go... Wait, what year are we in? (laughs) (laughs) This is the 90s. What was daddy like in the teenies? And they go, well, he was very groovy. He, uh... His wife loved him very much. If any other woman could 
love him and treat him as well as your mother, it would be me. Okay. But alas, unfortunately, for yours truly, that train has sailed. Now, that's the only laugh line in that scene, yeah. and it doesn't get a laugh. That because train is so real. Yeah, I love that scene. That's still, I think, one of my favorite scenes. Not yeah, just of this so. movie, but of like all movies. Because it shows that tenderness. I think that's why this movie has held up so well, because it does have an actual soul, an actual heart to it all. Yeah. It's not just spoofs and goofs. There is a real humans making this machine that is a movie it has a little heart a little soul and it feels good on the whole <laughs> exactly <laughs> um there's another scene that if we're talking about our micah's touch sure let's talk about our micah's touch on this rewatch the 20th anniversary rewatch mm-hmm. uh one scene really stood out to me we've talked about it in the past but there's a part of it that i don't think we've ever really talked about is the therapy scene where it's all mm-hmm. the dads and the sons together. And there's an actor in that scene that I feel like we haven't highlighted and now it seems very important to highlight sure. them. Uh, Miss Carrie Fisher. Absolutely. Who sadly we did lose. Tragically, uh, we did lose We Carrie lost Fisher. Carrie Fisher yeah. in 2016 mm-hmm. after we'd recorded Can it just first... stop? Well, thankfully it has. Okay, good. Thankfully it has. And not a celebrity hasn't really died this year apart from Don Rickles. And Tragically, people- <laughs> we did lose Don. <laughs> we lost Don. Tragically, we lost Don. We lost Don. I didn't want to bring it up again, but we did lose Don. We still don't know who is going to take <laughs> we, up that flaming we mic. We don't know yet. First, we thought Noxie. Then we thought maybe Tommy Maitland. Yeah. Now we're not so sure. Now we're not sure anymore who's going to take up that mantle. And the cro- the throne... The-, <laughs> <laughs> the throne is empty and the crown sits on the ground. The crown jewels, however... Safely nestled <laughs> in, in a, a fleshy sack. <laughs> <laughs> but so we did lose Carrie and she is she is fantastic in this scene. She's great. And I think the way she treats this bizarro character mm. of Dr. Evil <laughs> as trying to really reach out to him, but in a very professional way, mm. Is so fucking funny. Yeah, it's great. And it allows the character, this really strange character, to live in a real world. And I think that is what the whole thing of why this works is. is because both Austin and Dr. Evil are movie characters. Mm -hmm. But they are living in quite an otherwise real 1990s world. Mm -hmm. And when they interact with those things, it's funny. Yeah, that's a a perler of a scene. And we have discussed how I think that scene if it was stripped out of the film, could be a standalone sketch. It's a perfect sketch. It's a perfect model. That one and the, uh, from Spy Who Shagged Me, the Jerry Springer yeah. scenes, both feel like standalone sketches that could be on SNL if there was a recurring character that's this villain, yeah. you know? Um, it's a hell of a scene. The monologue is so funny, so well written, so well performed. But Carrie Fisher uh, is just like pure joy in that scene. She's trying to... She's trying to connect Scotty uh, to his father. And apparently she's a delight on set. There's, in that Hollywood Reporter article, yeah. he Mike says that she kept grabbing his face and saying, like, grabbing that pudding face yeah. of Mike's and saying, like, I just love this scene. There's so many weird choices in this scene. Yes. There are a lot of weird choices. There are a lot of weird choices. That whole monologue is just weird choice after weird choice. And it's just because it is that perfect self-contained comedic juxtaposition that is the elixir of the gods. Oh, absolutely. 
<laughs> Absolutely, darling. Now, you think that scene's your Micah's touch? I think I must say this. On this rewatch, that really, really stands out to me. Because I think in the past, I often do an Austin Powers viewing where sure. I watch it with Austin in mind. This time, sure. I was like, I'm watching with Dr. Evil in mind. Absolutely. My Micah's touch this time around, and it changes every time I watch this yeah. movie, but this time around, the bit that made me laugh so much and felt so authentically Mike is when he is finally thawed out in the 90s and he meets Vanessa yeah. and he says that thing that's like, God, Vanessa has an amazing body. I bet she shags like a minx. How do I tell her that due to the unfreezing process, I have no inner monologue? Yeah. I love that. Like That feels so Mike to have a meta moment like mm. that. And then he kind of goes, oh, I hope I didn't say that out loud right now. Yeah. And it makes me wonder... Did he mean to say that out loud and it was just a joke that he was doing to get a laugh in the moment? Or did the character of Austin Powers momentarily lose control of his inner monologue? I think he'd lost the control of his inner monologue. <laughs> I think the way he delivers it is so funny because is that it's that concentrated Mikeness. How we've said in the past that Mike is one of those only guys who can look down the barrel of the lens and yeah. say a stupid pun <laughs> and literally wink, but still not feel detached from the movie that he's in. <laughs> yeah. And that scene is basically a deconstruction of Mike's comedy. Yeah, that's what he does best. He's pretty much shot in close-up for most of that, just yeah. allowed to say funny things. But yeah, the inner monologue joke just killed me this time around. Yeah. And it's a classic. Everyone knows it, but it's so it's maybe it's forgotten in the mix sometimes. Mm. Now, do you want to know what Mike's Mike's touch is? Oh, I'd love to find this out for the truth of it all. <laughs> Mike Myers says in this article, which guys, I can't stress enough. Read it's got everyone in it talking about this movie. Even Quincy Jones pops his head yeah. in. Yeah, uh, Mike Myers says to me, the entire essence of the movie is the song, the look of love. Mm. It's glamorous. And what the world needs now. So having Burt Bacharach was just perfect for the film. Now, that's interesting to me because Mike sees this film as being tonal rather than like about a collection of jokes. Yeah. So the idea of those two songs by Burt, The Look of Love and What the World Needs Now, uh, they sum up the world of the film yeah. for him. And that is the Mike's touch. This is a guy who believes in a world, believes in art, and believes in kind of the merging of those two things. And yeah. that's what he's done with this film. He's merged his love of art with these skill set that he's developed over time. Yeah, and that's what reminds me of the, the Jay Roach quote uh, from a while ago where he says, who says st uh, style can't be funny? Who says style can't be funny? Yeah. He said that. Yeah, in relation to Austin Powers. <laughs> well, there you go. Jay Bay, <laughs> Jay, you are just, you are just it, man. You You're get it. it. You've got it. Jay gets it. That's just what I and think. And that's why he's so hip, dude. His name is literally two euphemisms <laughs> for freaking weed, dude. Yeah, man. For smoking yeah, man, a Jay yeah. down to the roach, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, mama. Maybe we should start saying things like, instead of saying, I'm going to go smoke a bowl of weed. Yeah. We would just say things like, I'm just going to go pop on the Austin Powers franchise. <laughs> and people, people get it. They yeah. go, Okay, you're going to have a bit of a J-Roach. Yeah, sorry guys, I'm going to go freaking chuck on Austin Powers and then when I'm done with it, I'm going to put on Meet the Fockers, dude. Dude, Mystery Alaska's calling. <laughs> Who's going to answer the phone? 
Ring, ring. I am. <laughs> oh, that's a good smoke in a pancake. Oh, bong in a... Blintz. Blintz. <laughs> yeah, man. I love Jay. He's done some good stuff. Style can be funny. He's it proved it be. again and again and again. And will he prove it again? In a fourth Iteration of the Austin Powers film That's franchise. what's going around at the moment. Will there be an Austin Powers 4? We touched on it a little bit last week. In light of the, these recent the allegations, allegations <laughs> that, that Austin Powers <laughs> 4 is kicking around up in Mike Myers' heads. What do we think? I think it's groovy. Has comedy changed though? Do we like will they evolve with it? Or will it be almost like Austin himself out of time? I think they're very conscious of that because they've said that they won't do it unless it's right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the main thing that they kick around. I think they talk about it in their interviews when they interview them. Obviously, it's going to come up. Is there going to be a fourth one? Because it is a franchise. It's not just, you know, a couple of movies. It's a legitimate franchise. Same with Wayne's World because they... They're franchises. Wayne's World was sketches. It's become a... It's a bigger thing than just a movie. Mm. They're movies, baby. That's why. <laughs> and I think it's... Um, I think they're very aware of this, that maybe it wouldn't work anymore. But they still kick around the idea because to keep it relevant. Mm-hmm. Because, you know... Like with Ghostbusters. Yeah, How they exactly. kept saying... Danny Aykroyd kept saying, maybe we'll do another one, maybe we'll do another one. Yeah. Do you think that means it's going to go down the Ghostbusters route and in... 10 freaking years we're gonna have a freaking gender swapped Austin Powers well, perhaps Paul, Austin Powers Paul, Paul Feig's already done that he's already made that movie Spy, what, Spy? oh it's so yeah. different to Austin though I here's the thing I I always see Austin Powers as its own thing yeah but whenever I see it being labelled as like a spy comedy or a mm. spy spoof I'm like oh I don't even I don't even That's think about it, it in ca- in that that category of yeah. movies like Spy or Grimsby or Johnny English or yeah. anything like that. I think none of those movies are as good as this one. Or I, as funny. I'll agree. I'll agree. Spy's very funny. Spy's very funny, but it's not as iconic as it's this. It's a different type of movie. Yeah. This is like a sketch movie, I yeah. think of it as a full character movie. Spy, I think I would say is a spy movie. Yeah. That's what it is. It's just a funny spy movie. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe if they're going to do Austin 4, I mean, it needs to... It's got to move with the times. Mm. Austin's going to have to have aged because Mike clearly has. Yeah, it's not like he froze himself at the end of the last movie. Yeah, it's going to have to be like it's been 20 years sort of thing. Mm. Um, Did you read that thing at the end of the Hollywood Reporter article where Mike says, I'd love to do another, but you just have to see... I was devastated by my father's death, but to have to turn into something, but to have that turn into something that makes people happy is unbelievably satisfying. It's that kind of stuff you never get used to or tired of. That, I think, implies to me that he won't do another one because he's gotten what he needed from it. Yes. And what he needed was to turn something very tragic in his life into something very joyful in other people's lives. And that, in turn, makes him happy. Yeah. So, I don't see why he would need to dip back into that world of Austin Powers mm. when it's already achieved its goal for him, which was to help him move on from his father's death, which, tragically, we did 
We did lose his father. Yeah, we did lose Spike. Yeah, we did lose Spike. And I think that's... uh, It's not like he's done with it. I think it's... He's moved on from doing films in that way. Mm. Because The Love Guru was made from a very similar place. Mm -hmm. The Love Guru was made... Uh, around his feelings and his journey following that, mm. where he did look to spirituality, he did talk to gurus and uh, connecting with his spiritual side um, to move on from the loss of his father. And I think because that film came also from such a personal place mm. and where he did try to fill it with really joyful, goofy comedy before it to be publicly a humongous failure and derided and mocked by the evil public out there <laughs> that don't have a freaking heart and can't see what Mike's gone through, that would be such a difficult blow. Yeah. That's something we'll talk about probably more in depth later yeah. on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I would. I don't like a difficult blow. I like an easy blow. Mm, yes, mm. and you are only capable of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm only capable <laughs> of having an easy blow. So I don't know if I want to see an Austin 4. Mm. I know I've said this before, but I think after reading that oral history and after re-watching Austin Powers today, I don't think I need to. I think Mike is satisfied, yes. and I'm satisfied if he is. He's the artist, you know? If they were to do it, however... On my terms, that's what I want. Absolutely. I would want me, uh, me to be involved in some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to play a young Austin. Whatever, Mike. No one else can do it. No. Even that other guy you got. He did fine, but <laughs> I want it to just be you, mate. Yeah. And I would love to just be sitting there next to Jay and Mike just going, hey, why don't you just do it this way? And they're like, hey, great idea. You are one of us. This guy gets it. This guy freaking gets it. Uh, I imagine that Austin Powers 4 comes out. You are credited as co-writer with Mike. Yes. I would like also to be involved in some co-writer way. Co-writer credit for sure. I don't sure. know if I we'll want to give be you a the credit. I don't... Tr- uh, maybe I'd like to be in the room. Like okay. Maybe get a story by credit. Yeah. And That's also, what I would want, the story by... And then Mike makes it funny. Yeah, I want a story by credit. And I'm thinking... Maybe I get to be on set in yep. some formal capacity. Like as a character or, no, you know, a guy mean, hanging out. I'm just happy to be behind the scenes. Like, I'm even... I'm, maybe I'm over at catering. Maybe you're first ADing. Or is that too I much I don't really want to AD. I just want to be able to chill out, watch the movie, yep. know that I had some input. And maybe the actors come over to my catering table and I'm giving them snacks. And they, but they what are all, you surfing They now? also know that I have a story by credit. Okay. So they can talk to me like a peer. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, not shitting on you. Yeah, they're like, hey, bro, that scene's so funny. And I go, yeah. hey... Have Cheers, a man. Have Look, a Cabanos. Yeah, we got some Cabanossi floating around. There's yeah. some um, stuffed vine leaves. <laughs> There's a few cubes of cheese yeah. and crackers. Yeah. But anyway, thanks for the compliment. Appreciate it. But I'm actually quite busy right now with the catering. Who are you so. imagining you're talking to in this scene? Because um, it doesn't sound like it's Mike. It doesn't sound like one of the primaries. It mm-mm. sounds like someone new to the franchise. It is someone new to the okay. franchise. It is Alexandra Diodario. Oh, mama. <laughs> She's got to be in these movies. She's in Austin 4. Oh, my God. What can they call her? Even more Vashina? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's on set. She's cast in a, a very meaty role, if you will. Oh, mama. <laughs> she is redonkulous, dude. Yeah, she's there. I'm chatting to her like a peer. Oh, God. And then... Oh, my God. In the uh, behind-the-scenes <laughs> doco that accompanies the film, someone asks Alexandra Diodari, what was it like working with Cameron James? And she says, he was very groovy. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gives a monologue about how... 
She wished she could have been with me, but she respected my relationship too much. Yeah, that's great casting. I think she would perfectly fit into the Austin Powers world. Who else would fit in the Austin verse? Um, John I mean, Lovitz. Bring Lovitz in. <laughs> Get Are you Lovitz kidding in. me? Yes. Get Lovitz in there. I want him being like some kind of smarmy American. Mm spy or like maybe a polit a politician. A politician. I think it should have more politics in this he one. Could have- <laughs> it should be set <laughs> I in think the it West Wing. Be like, it should be like the Star Wars prequels where there's just more politics involved. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Lovitz is sort of a Trump esque president mm. who's kind of failed upwards into being the yes. commander in chief. And who could be the accused Real president behind the president, the puppeteer over the puppets pulling at his little stringies. None other than Steve Bannon himself, Dr. Evil. Dr. Evil. That's fucking cool. That's cool. And I think that is something I'd love to see. When I was re-watching this movie, I did watch mm. it with a purpose, mm-hmm. with um, the Dr. Evil storyline in mind. Mm-hmm. Because I think Dr. Evil is the... Because Goldmember concludes so well sure. everything's wrapped up mm-hmm. the characters they're at a finite end what can happen next who really knows but i think if we begin austin 4 with dr evil living a very ordinary life mm-hmm. you know going to the shops kind mm-hmm. of is recognized mm-hmm. but no one's going he doesn't get anyone going like oh you're so evil or you were so famous it's like hey that's that guy that's mm-hmm. that guy from over there and you know that kind of yeah, thing. Sure. He's got mini me, perhaps in little baby bassinets or something like that. You That's know, cute. his little um, his little baby Bjorn thing. I think maybe a leash. I could see me. <laughs> he's a leash. leash baby. Yeah, and you see him like talk, you talking to other mums, and he's got a very mundane suburban life. And just at the end of the day, he snaps. He's like. I need to be evil again. He's yeah. had it. He's just like, I want to be in charge again. I want to do it. He gets the old gang back together. Frau number two. Mustafa. Mustafa. <laughs> Maybe that could be funny if he finds Mustafa somewhere. That'd be great. Yeah, Mustafa's not dead, just badly burnt still. <laughs> Very badly burnt. <laughs> that would be so cool. And then that's them. They Then that's when they get the political thing going on, where yeah. they're like, we got to cook up we got to cook up this disgusting guy and make him the president. He's the only guy that can do it. I'm not famous enough anymore to be the president. We need him. So they get John Lovitz yeah. to become the president in order to in order to be a puppeteer behind yeah. the, the man. That's great. And just like in the past, there's no real reason to it all. <laughs> they just want to be evil. They just want to be powerful and have fun. Okay, I'd watch that. I'd watch and maybe that number two doesn't really want to be part of it anymore. Yeah, he's trying to go legit. He's already shacked up with this lady that also has an eye patch and looks exactly like him, but a little bit younger. He actually got married to himself. That's he got cool. married to Rob Lowe because we did see them hook up in yeah. the last movie. In uh, a deleted scene. Yeah, deleted scene. Okay, that's very cool. I'd like to see Stephen Colbert in yes. there playing a character, playing an evil henchman yeah. character. Um, I would like to see Kristen Wiig in that universe. Oh, God, she'd be great. She'd be incredible. And the- let's bring Melissa McCarthy along for the ride as well. Yes. Two babes of cinema who know how to get a laugh as well. Would Just you, like me, they'll make you laugh. They'll make you a bit wet. Yeah, that's what they can do. That's they. They um. Yeah, we'll reduce them down to that much. <laughs> <laughs> Their immense talents down to <laughs> down to that. Um, and I think as well. Would you like to see Mike do a new character? Yes, Tommy Maitland. <laughs> Tommy's there. He's hosting the Gong Show. I want to see Tommy make no, the universe. Would you actually like to see a new Austin character? I think everyone, he's upped it and brought in a new character. I want to see a new character. 
I would almost like it to see it stripped backwards, just Austin and Dr. Evil, and perhaps a new character. No Fat Bastard, no Gold Member. Yeah, let's get rid of those two, uh, and we'll keep... We'll bring in a new one who's a bit more subtle. Yeah. Like, a, maybe a reprisal of his character from Inglorious Bastards. That would be great. Like, Michael York maybe has passed away by the time this movie comes out. Tragically. Which would be we great. We might have lost Michael <laughs> It'd be great. York. Yep. Oh, wait, I mean, no, tragically... Tragically, we may lose. We may Michael lose York. Michael York. And if they just have a statue of him or something like they're having yeah. Ghostbusters ladies, yeah. <laughs> that's what I call that movie, Ghostbusters ladies. I call it Ghost Nutbusters. Okay, dude. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. All right. If they have that, and then they've got him as the the Colonel Blimp or whatever from yeah. Glorious Bastards, I'd be into that. I think that's very cool. So these are on your terms. These are my terms, and I think they need. Austin is not quite as shagadelic. He's more... He's part of the... He's got dad bod. Yeah, he's got dad bod. He's he's normcore. He's still... He's still... He hasn't quite lost his mojo, but it's not working overtime anymore. And this is something we've talked about in the past, is Mm -hmm. that he needs another... We need someone to shake it up. And I think that is where the Dana Carvey thing can come in. Because we're talking about back in our Master of Disguise... Um, well, it wasn't of this podcast of Carving It Up, yeah. where we did watch The Master of Disguise. Dana Carvey had two great characters in that movie, where he play, did a David Niven impression, which was a Mr. Suave, who I think could fit very well as an as kind of a, a rival, foil. a rival for mm. Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. If they bring him from the '60s into now, because like we need Austin. Can't quite do we this. We need to pair you up with one of the other great spies mm. from maybe a rival organization yeah. within Britain. And then it's Mr. Suave and Austin Powers having to team up. Yes. And they're both trying to out-smooth each other, out-shag each other. Out, you know, I mean, that's wild stuff. And I think that pairing is really good because they've worked together before on Famously, Wayne's World. they have worked together before on Wayne's World yes. and Wayne's World 2. Two. Electric Boogaloo. The spy who shooed me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think they work together great as well. And it would be so much fun to see them together on screen again. But also, the characters... We talked about what the Vice article said about how Austin is a character who is a neutered man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's all show, but he doesn't actually shag. Yeah, sure. Which he's a show and not a grower. Yeah, which we have discussed as not being quite true. Yeah. But it is true to the comedic extent of it all. If we do have Mr. Suave as someone who actually does roots and mm. is quite open about it and is a little bit more cunning with his sexuality and his charm, mm-hmm. that is a great rival for Austin. If his manhood as an older man now is being tested by someone who still has that flavor of the 1960s. Sorry that I'm dancing <laughs> as I'm telling you. And moving very sensually. Yeah. That uh, is fantastic to me. That's cool. Now, let me ask you a question. In Austin 4, as you see it, is Austin Powers still with Foxy Cleopatra? No. Okay. I think um, Foxy, like Felicity Shagwell before her, went back to her time. Okay. Because I think, you know... Is that canon for Felicity? Yeah, I think that's canon. I think that's why she's not in it. But it's never mentioned. Not in the movies, but in the books. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe, or maybe she became Beyonce. 
Okay. Because I don't think Beyonce is in that universe of Austin Powers. Now, that's a fan theory I can get behind. Yeah, maybe she just becomes Beyonce. Cleopatra is Beyonce. And maybe they are together, maybe they aren't. And she, and, But either way, because their relationship wasn't very sexual, I think Austin Powers' sexuality has matured in a way that is a little sad. Okay. And so he's it's a, once again it's about him trying to reachieve his mojo. Sure. Okay. And let me ask you a, a quick question now about the production of this film as you see. Yes, it. 100 million dollars. Wow, that's yes. the budget. Yes. That's big. Just for catering. Okay. I lied. Fat Bass's ears back. Oh shit. <laughs> How do you see the rap party? You're there with mm. Jay Austin, I mean yeah. Mike. <laughs> You do you get to make a speech? Um, it's very quick. Okay. Uh, Mike and Jay have all the stuff to say. I'm just like, guys, thank you. So, it's, oh, it's, I just, I'm embarrassed. You're I'm getting mad. so I'm just emotional like, right like, now, oh, guys. So it's, uh, you know, these movies mean the world to me. Mm. I really am one of the horny babies that Mike produced back in the '90s when he came out with Austin Powers, and it's truly an honor to now consider myself part of this franchise. And, uh, God, enough for me, guys. Just, you know, enjoy the bubbly, have a couple bites to eat, and we know who we're all here to thank. <laughs> Mike, oh, God, I can't do it. Mike, the answer is yes. You did make me horny. Oh, wow, that is so beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you went through a whole journey just then on your yeah, face. Yeah. It was like... Um, it was actually magical to watch you. I went act, back into yeah, it. Act I saw as if it. you were there. I wasn't in the room with you. I no. looked out to a sea of celebrities. Yeah, sure. Gwyneth Paltrow's hanging out. Sure. Freaking Russell Crowe is there. <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Everyone. They're all there. I'm staring out at them like, wow, we did it. We made Austin Powers four. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. What it's called it? Austin Powers Goes Forth. It no. has to be. He goes forth in. <laughs> he goes forth in time, maybe. He goes forward. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, another one I pitched earlier was Austin Powers foreplay. Yeah, I like that Austin Powers foreplay. Or what about a James Bond title? What could it be? Hmm. What about Austin Powers Poonraker? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's got to be it. Oh, but I don't want to read the Mad Magazine version of that because they'll really tear it through. <laughs> All right, I'm very happy with that. Uh, boy, oh boy. What about I'm... Austin Powers Spectre? I hardly know her. That's also very good. Okay. That's also very good. You're very good at this. You should be getting this job. Yeah, it's I think crazy. So. And I'm happy to be there in a catering facility. Yeah. <laughs> and I want that story by. Yeah. Yeah. So look forward to seeing you on set. And then four goes well. At the Oscars. See you at Austin 5. Yeah. Fuck 4. Let's go straight to 5. Yes. <sighs> Guys, I am spent. <laughs> I am absolutely yeah, spent. Yeah, this was a mega episode and I couldn't be more happy to rediscuss this movie with you. It's the film that kicked us off in the first place. I can't believe it's been 20 freaking years. Since we started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And in that time, we've come to learn a lot more about Mike. We've come around on a few things. I yeah. am now obviously a big fan of uh, the Axe Murderer one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm now a big fan of Goldmember, which yep. was something I was on the fence about. I'm excited for the future. I don't know what the future Shreks hold or mm. what the 
Gong Show starring Tommy Maitland will hold. God, we're living in a future that has Mike in the future. I know. I could not... I didn't believe that when we started that could be happening. But no matter how I feel about them, I'm thrilled that this movie will always reignite my mojo. Yes, baby, darling, that is true. Thank you so much for talking about this movie with me, Alexi. Thank you for talking about it with me, and thank you for always being ready to talk about Austin Powers and Mike Myers with me every fucking week <laughs> until Austin Powers Four does get made on I've Alexi's around, terms. But it has to be by my terms, Mike. If you're listening, and I know you are, sit down, get a pen and paper out, and take a few freaking notes. Take those okay? notes. Poon Raker will <laughs> happen. <laughs> Oh, we got to write it. I'm going to write it, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, horny babies, cheeky monkeys, thank you so much for joining us today. We've had an absolute blast chatting to you about Austin Powers. You can watch it on Stan right now. Watch it. It's the 20th anniversary, baby. Check it out. It's available on iTunes. It's available on DVD and Blu-ray. The Blu-ray is fantastic for Austin Powers, the original one. It doesn't actually have those great deleted scenes of the henchmen getting killed. And then we see their lives Mm. without them, people receiving the bad news. They're great scenes. They're not in that cut because they were deleted scenes from the actual movie. But as as Austin Powers did live on as a video hit... That is why we remember them being in the film because it was reinserted for the videos. That was something we were called out for, not mentioning the last time we did an Austin Powers movie. And as God, as my freaking weakness, I said it again that it is in that. Now it's part of it. It's part of it. It's part of it. It's part of it. Thank you for joining us, horny babies. If you'd like to, please swing on over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. And uh, why don't you pop in there a little name of a, an actor you'd like to see us do a spin-off episode about. Have you got any uh, recent ones? We do. From Lockie Roach on iTunes, he says, Spin-off ep. Why does Chris rock? That's cool. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That is actually awesome. Oh, we could watch Dogma for that one. Yes. Or we could watch I Think I Love My Wife. Yeah. Uh, which is a title for a movie I think about every day of my life. <laughs> it's such a bad title. Isn't that the one that CK wrote as well? I think CK co-wrote a bunch of Chris mm. Rock's movies. Yeah. And it's a bad title. Down to Earth? Sure, we could watch that too. Look, there's a bunch of Chris Rock ones. We want to find out, does Crick Crick actually rock? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many, but I would love to, at the end of it all, come up with a top five. (laughs) Great, I love it. Uh, You can chat to us on Twitter at MikeCheckPod. Chat to us on Facebook. We're always keen to talk all things Mike. Keep sending through all your love to us, all your stories. I just noticed today that a bunch of people have sent me some Instagram DMs of all this Shrek stuff that I yeah. hadn't ever noticed before. It's fuck keep it coming. I love it. There's it an amazing so stuff out there. We've got such great fans and we we can't wait to catch up with all of you guys at our live show all mm-hmm. about the love guru. It's what we've been building up for for these 20 years is to discuss the Love Guru live in front of you, not at a screening. We're not screening the movie. Watch it on your own time. But come join us to talk about it. Uh, I've had some people chat and say that they're going to get drunk and watch the movie the night before. Yep, do it. It sounds like fun. Because they're like, we might need to drink to get through it. I'm like, I think you might too. I still haven't watched it. I've seen it twice now. I watched it last night. If you can't tell, I'm extremely sick at the moment with a cold and flu fever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, this is a perfect time to watch the Love Guru again. Mm -hmm. And... I will discuss it on the night. Okay. I'm, I'm hanging out to watch it. Are we allowed to announce anyone who's on it yet? Um, Maybe we can announce one. We can announce one of our guests. 
I'm thrilled to have him on the show again. He is someone we've had on in the past. He is a hero of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And early on, he also did reveal to us that even though he is a humongous Mike Myers fan, (laughs) he had also never seen The Love Guru. Oh, right. So that is why we are so privilege to be joined by our dearest friend mm-hmm. Ben Russell. Ben Russell. Ben Russell is going to be joining us live. We have two other guests that we'll announce next week. Yep. Uh, keep an eye out and I think you're going to love them. It's going to be a huge show. Um, yeah. Uh, they're like, they're big stars. And tickets have pretty much been selling really well. Yep. So if you go on to tinyurl.com slash live and pick up tickets, they're only 10 bucks. Yeah. They're selling pretty quick. I'd say there's, there's like under... There's under 20 left or yes. something like that. And so. there, it will be some, there will be some stuff available at the door as well. Yeah. So if you miss out, don't fret, still come down. Yeah. We want to see you there. We love you so much. While you're uh, hanging around, I'm also doing my Sydney Comedy Festival show. As I've told you, it will make you laugh. It will make you wet. It's on from May 18 to 21, three nights only. Uh, Saturday is selling pretty well. Sunday is picking up because that's the same night as the mic check night so you can do the double if yeah, you want. Yeah, do the double baby. Um, but if you also want, Thursday still has plenty of tickets available. Please come along and check me out. You might want to pre-book and I would love to see you there and I would love to smell your hair. <laughs> and also on the 26th of May, we've got Green Lights Comedy Nights. I'm hosting it with Nico, Malian and Ben Russell is also headlining that show. Very exciting. So it's going to be a really great night. It's only 10 bucks at the Gala Club. All right. Thank you so much, babies. We love you. You're great on the soul. You're good on the whole. Blessed be. Blessed be. It's my check. It's my check. The podcast that Mike Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.